Hi, I'm Isa Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hun. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to a special Christmas Eve edition of the Ringer NFL recap show. I'm Nora Pinciotti. I am here having a very happy holiday with Stephen Rees. Stephen, Merry Christmas Eve. How you doing? I'm doing I'm doing well. I it's not Sunday, so I, it's not my typical sad answer, but I also won my first avatar bet with Benjamin Solak. So it's a momentous day. What are we thinking for the Avi? So I was thinking Carson Wentz in the Letterman jacket, the Washington Letterman jacket, but I feel like that's too easy. And I feel like I don't get this opportunity too often. So I have to go really deranged with it, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to sleep on it. Okay. We're taking suggestions for that. Um, Look, this is a special edition of the show. We want to make it nice and streamlined for everybody so they can get their football fixed while they're celebrating holidays and, and hanging out with family and watching games. Steven and I are going to do some winners and losers from the Saturday slate of games because what's more in the holiday spirit than um, doling out some W's and L's. So Steven, do you want to get us started with your first winner of the night? My first winner is the Dallas Cowboys. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles 40 to 34 in a game that I really thought Dallas needed. And not just because they needed the win for the standings, but we've seen this defense kind of fall off over the past month. And the offense has, I would say, struggled to, to kind of make up for the defense falling off over the past month. And we've seen Dak Prescott turn over the ball on, under those those pressure situations where he's forced to be a playmaker. And we saw the early interception and it kind of felt like more of the same. Like we were, this is the typical Cowboys game this year. And then Dak, it was a, another Dak masterclass. And I feel like we've seen these like every week. And I know they kind of get spoiled with the mistakes, but he is really playing at a high level. And I think this game showed that if the Cowboys defense isn't what it was over the first half of the season, doesn't get quite as healthy as it was, that this offense has a chance of of winning any game and, and helping them compete with any team in the NFC. I, that's what it's about, right? Is that the offense can stay in it with pretty much anybody because I thought Dak, you know, yeah, he throws the pick, but uh, Dak looks great again. I, I really do believe in this Cowboys offense. The defense, look, it's great that they won this game. This was a big win for them. Obviously huge for them to beat Philly. The Eagles turned the ball over four times, right? The Eagles are a two loss team at this point. And in both of those losses, they turned the ball over four times. They lost three fumbles. Um, 
And Dallas picking all three of those up is incredible luck. And if that hadn't happened, I think we might be having a different conversation right now. Now, that's part of football, right? But I do think that, you know, this this Gardner Minshew-led Eagles offense was still pretty much able to move the ball at will against them, um, particularly by picking on that secondary that's been so depleted by injuries. So... I maintain those concerns, but I, I do think the path for them to continue to win games like this is just the offense showing out because I agree with you. Like if we get over one or two plays that are not necessarily all completely on deck, I actually thought the pick today was more his fault than some of the ones in the past that we talked about last week. Yeah. But if, if we get over those blips, this is a really, really, really good offense. And it's a bit of a flip of how we thought about this Cowboys team that started off being a really, really, really good defense. But if they're going to make a playoff run, they're going to have to win those games with their offense uh, is how I feel. So big win for them. But I, I, I'm, I don't feel totally assuaged about the concerns with the defense just because of how lucky they were in the in the turnover battle. Yeah, and I, I would say I, I find it hard to call the Eagles a loser for this one because they were able to put up some points despite the turnovers with their backup quarterback. And I think it just goes to show that this team has so many different ways to win. And yes, it's a bad game for the defense. They had trouble sticking to CeeDee Lamb and other Cowboys receivers, but we know this defense can play well enough. We know the offense is is talented enough. So as bad as the the loss looks on the scoreboard, especially for the defense, I'm not too concerned about Philly going forward. I, I thought this game went sort of similar to how I thought it would go based on the la- the first matchup, and you have a different quarterback in there. So for me, like this was a good weekend all the all around for the NFC East. Gardner, what'd you think of Gardner? I gotta tell you, I'm gonna slander my family here, but they were around when I was um, watching games, and I was going between this one and the 49ers Commanders game. A lot of people in in my extended family just really like Gardner Minshew for <laughs> just no discernible reason. I was just like, "What is what is your what is all your guys' deal with this guy?" I'm like, oh, Gardner people Minshew. see themselves in Gardner Minshew because like he, he's I, not yeah, supposed to I be here. It. He's not supposed to be playing. So it's like the underdog that you're you're willing to root for, and he's a little quirky. I don't know. He 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 seems to think he's better than he is. I think that's his his main problem. I I he's wrote in my quarter fun. Yeah, he's fun. He, uh, like these are the better backup quarterbacks. Like I'd rather see this than Colt McCoy or like the backup that's going to come in and like just run the offense and just throw checkdowns 80% of the time. So I, I like a, a rationally confident backup quarterback, but I do think if, if Gardner turned the dial down a little bit, he could be like a top 20 quarterback, but he's, he insists on, on him being this out of pocket creator guy that he just doesn't have the talent to back up. And I think you saw it, you saw it get him into trouble a couple times. I was seeing a lot of a lot of the film squad, uh, of which you are a member, That's talking right. about how he throws off his back foot quite a bit. Any any thoughts? Yeah, like I think that speaks to like Patrick Mahomes can get away with throwing off his back foot. Justin Herbert can get away with it. Josh Allen can get away with it. All these like talented guys, but like you were at Washington State for a reason, man. That's all like you're well, also, a good he does it a lot, like a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I really just think that he has he has a lot of confidence in himself. It's it's very I'm just I'm just slandering Gardner Minshew because I was sitting on my grandparents couch being like, what? 
why are you guys into like, where did this come from? I'm just startled by it. I guess I'm happy for him. Happy for everybody. You should have tossed out. Uh, you don't know ball to your grandma doesn't know ball. <laughs> Watch the games, grandma. All right. Let's stay in the NFC uh, and a little bit in the NFC East for my first winner. I've got the 49ers who won 37 to 20 against the commanders. Uh, they'd already locked up the NFC West, but the reason I thought this was sort of a telling win for them um, and one that I want to give them props for is that actually I thought Washington played at least a version of exactly the game that you want to play against San Francisco. They ran 69 plays. The Niners ran 51. Um, Washington one time in possession, 34 minutes to 26. But it's emblematic of how tough I think the 49ers are to beat because Washington's defense would have, you know, a really good, be putting together a really good series, but the big plays for San Francisco were just so devastating. So the 33 yard touchdown to Kittle, 37 yard pass to um, Brandon Ayuk, another 34 yard touchdown to Kittle. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod has the 71 yard touchdown run. Um, Ayuk gets the 54 yard catch and run. So uh, they put together, Washington put together <laughs> a really valiant effort, but it's a little bit like the Dolphins. It's a, it's a different version of it and it's different players and it's more, you know, size and, and we'll bowl you over. Um, but if you miss these guys, if you lose one of these guys, they're just going to be gone. And the run after the catch ability is just coming from everywhere, all directions, everybody who's on the field. And it, you have to be so fundamentally sound on every single play against them. So, you know, it's not as though Brock Purdy, he's doing a, an admirable job of valiant effort. It's not like Brock Purdy's coming out here and, and setting the world, world on fire, but it just, it does not matter in this offense because every single one of those guys can take a ball to the house as soon as they get it in their hands. Um, the other thing about this game, uh, we saw Carson Wentz. He's, oh, he's come back. It's like um, Baltimore. Like he's returned. Just in time for Christmas. <laughs> uh, so at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Joey Bosa strip sacks Heineke. And then San Francisco gets a short field, uh, goes on a field goal drive. Then Heineke turns it over, throws a pick. Then San Francisco goes on another um, field goal drive off the short field. And while that's happening, Wentz is on the sideline. He's taking snaps. He's warming up. He's talking around Rivera. It's just like, oh, boy. Okay. And he was pretty good. Um, So it's his first drive in 10 weeks. 11 plays, 82 yards. Caps it off with a touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel. Goes 7 of 10 passing for 73 yards. uh, Gets a touchdown. They totally put the ball in his hands, that drive. Um, They only ran it one time, and they threw the ball 10 times. Four different receivers touched the ball. Uh, You could see against the Niners defense and particularly that defensive front, it was helpful uh, to put a quarterback in there that can just put a little bit more zip on the ball than, than Taylor Heineke can. Um, Because Wentz was, he was lasering some darts in there and it was helping them neutralize a little bit of that pass rush. Obviously not enough for them to win the game. Um, I have a feeling mostly based on the Ron Rivera vibes that once is gonna, we're going to see a little more, a little more Carson Wentz before, um, the year has come to a close. Uh, 
and maybe he'll be the jolt for them. I I don't know. I I actually think it is not going to matter all that much between him and Heineke, just yeah. because I really do think this offense is pretty talented. Um, but he was more than half decent, and you can tell that the coach really wants to put Wentz in. So I, I have a feeling that they're going to hope that he gives them a little bit of a spark for the last couple of games. Yeah, I would think like if I'm Rivera looking at it, if Heineke's going to be turning over the ball, and that's the reason why Carson Wentz got benched initially is he's turning over the ball. You're right. going to go with the guy with more talent if all things are equal. And right now, like Heineke has been coughing up the ball for a couple of weeks. So it's not like I think there was a pregame report that he was Heineke was basically playing for the starting job. So it's not a surprise that Wentz came in. And then for the yeah. 49ers, I, I totally agree with you. And that's what feels different about this year. Like, and we talked so much during the offseason how the offense was going to evolve because they had Trey Lance and they kind of needed to evolve because things have had kind of gotten stale with Jimmy G. But they evolved by just having too much talent to fail. And like you said, it's going to happen eventually because they have too many stars who, once they get the ball in their hand, they're liable to score at any point. So I think that's what's different about this team and this offense because there was times in past years where you could kind of see they didn't have it for a game. It was like, oh, this is one of those bad Jimmy G games. They're going to score like 14 points and the defense is going to have to keep them in it. But now it's like, even when they're not doing so well, like I think it was 7-7 at halftime, there's still an opportunity to to score 37 points. Totally. Totally. They're kind of... 49ers made it to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo and then clearly were dissatisfied with with what had happened since. Now, Jimmy is is among these players. They had horrible injury luck. I'm doing a little yes. bit of like revisionist. Isn't, isn't that just the story of this team that like when they're healthy, they're incredible and they've done all this stuff. And like, I want to see this offense with Lance and, and obviously hope that his recovery is full and complete and swift and blah, 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 blah. But I don't know if they were as bad as they thought they were. I think they just no. got really, really, really hurt over and that, over again and then kind of panicked about it. That's what big uh, Jim Kyle Shanahan splits without Jimmy G doesn't want you to know is, yes, <laughs> Kyle hasn't won a lot of games without Jimmy G. But also every time uh, Jimmy G gets hurt, the whole defense gets hurt along with them. They have like a 30th right, ranked exactly. defense every time. That's why they're losing the games. Don't blame it on poor Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins is out there trying his best. Okay. I love a Nick, Nick Mullins reference. Um, all right. This is getting a little too positive. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. I was going to move to losers, but shout out George Kittle. Unbelievable George Kittle game. Six catches, 120 yards, the two touchdowns. Um, but he also, he he had the kill shot with the fourth down catch. Um, that was on the drive after Wentz came in. And if there was some chance that the commanders went on, went on a rally, uh, once they put Carson in there, that was just over. He was an absolutely... Uh, fantastic in this game. And I think um, Brock Purdy was talking about how much he loves him after afterwards with the media. So very heartwarming there. Um, shout out to George Kittle. Good football player. All right. Enough of being nice. Who's the first loser? My first loser is the Seattle Seahawks. It brings me no pleasure to call Aww, them losers. Uh, Honestly, this felt like one of those games that the Chiefs have every year where they just it's like a weird game and they end up losing kind of like the, the Colts game earlier this year. But this was an alternate reality where they actually won the game because Seattle just couldn't stop shooting themselves in the foot. Like every time I looked up, it was fourth down and they were throwing a route like one yard short of the sticks. That, that probably happened like three times. And then they missed some opportunities in the end zone. They had some drops some key drops. They didn't take advantage of some 
questionable decisions by Patrick Mahomes. But in the end, that was the difference. They had Patrick Mahomes. The Seattle Seahawks did not. Mahomes, it's, it, it's a quiet stat line. 16 for 28, 224, two touchdowns, and then he ran for another touchdown. But this is what he's been doing all year. He just does just enough to keep this offense humming, keep the offense going. The touchdown run was one of the more impressive runs I've ever seen. He held himself up like parallel to the ground with one hand, his left hand holding himself up while he, he dove for the touchdown. This is every week now. I tweeted this like a month ago, and I've been able to retweet it every week. He does things that you can't even do in video games. Like the technology <laughs> is not there to do this stuff in video games. And he does it every week. He's the best player in the, in the league. He definitely wrapped up MVP this week, but for the, Seattle, this was a game where a lot of their competitors in the wild card race lost and lost some games that maybe right. they should have won. This was a real opportunity. They had a chance to really upset this team. They had so many chances, so many failed fourth down conversions, so many trips into the red zone where they just came up empty. There was a miscommunication with Marquise Goodwin and, and Gino Smith that led to a, interception in the end zone where Goodwin runs a an out route Gino expected him to run a corner interception bad game and, and they got a good effort from the defense which has been struggling since the Germany yeah. trip it just felt like a missed opportunity they could have made the playoffs and and now it doesn't look like they will I know this is not what happened but I love the idea that like what happened in Germany guys what went down what went down over there Seattle everything was going great and then uh Tampa took Bay a little too. trip yeah for both those teams, it's a weird trip. A little soul snatching situation going on, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We're having some having some brats, having some beers. Who knows what could happen? I'd I'd be interested. Maybe some of the beat guys are gonna get on that. <laughs> Gino is the first uh athlete to ever go to Germany and come back worse. Usually it's the other way around. You go to yeah. Germany, you come back he's and you're like magically to get some better. Weird treatment. <laughs> I don't know. He's been doing stuff in Germany. Um all right. Yeah, I, it's it, it's a good point that they could have made up some real ground um, with the Lions losing, with the Commanders losing. I guess I'd been looking at this as Lions lost, the Commanders lost. So at least they didn't lose ground there. But that's true. That's a that's a real missed opportunity. Um, speaking of missed opportunities, my first loser, the New England Patriots, who lost 22 to 18 to the Cincinnati Bengals um, on Ramondre Stevenson's uh, close to last minute, fourth quarter turnover. The Patriots are still not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but I think we have to, I think we have to, to put a cork in this. Um, they got down by several scores before halftime. And I actually, uh, give them credit for fighting back in the second half. Um, one of the simultaneously exciting, but also frustrating things about this game was they finally decided to use Kendrick Bourne um, late in the second quarter. Uh, Mac Jones gives him a little handoff on a, on a jet sweep that goes for 30 yards, which is a play that has been there for them literally all season. And as far as I know, because he was late to a meeting in the preseason, they have just been like, no, we don't do this. And he had over a hundred yards in this game. Um, was by and large the most exciting player on their offense. And it was just like, come on, man. Like he's a good player and they haven't used him all year. And so uh, the fact that they went there in week 16, it's like, okay, good for you for catching on Matt, but uh, it's a little late here. 
So it simultaneously led to some good stuff for them, but was also kind of like, geez, I don't know why you haven't been doing this all season. Um, the offense continued to be a complete mess. Uh, the game ended on a Patriots fourth and 15, trying to pull something together at the last minute. Um, and they had multiple offensive linemen downfield on the fourth and 15. It was just like such a fitting final play for like the last thing they could have done to, to be relevant and to matter and to maybe put together a little bit of a run here. And it was just such a disaster. So, uh, I think the season was over before this game began, but I think we're we're pretty ready to cork it here. Yeah, that was a rough game to watch for an offense that like even when they started scoring points, they started moving the ball at the end. Like you said, it came on Kendrick Bourne just turning into the maybe the best player I've ever seen in a Patriots uniform for a quarter. Like he took the end around. He catches the one pass that was basically like Julio Jones's Super Bowl catch against the Patriots with the toe tap. Right. Amazing catch. <laughs> like incredible toe tap. It was not a good game for the offense, but I I was impressed by the defensive staff because I really thought they had no chance after the first half because there's no answer when the when you have small cornerbacks and they have two superstar monsters on the outside. That was the the game. They couldn't cover T. Higgins. They couldn't handle Jamar Chase with their small, tiny cornerbacks. And somehow they figured out a way to slow them down. Eventually they got some breaks. They got some interceptions on a miscommunication. They scored, but this offense just bums me out. It's, it's a bummer. No more enough, enough. The, the throw to T Higgins that set up the Bengals third touchdown. Um, he was like seven yards open and it was just, now, I'm not here to here to defend Mac Jones, but he hasn't had anyone that open to throw no. to all year. Not a single time. Not one time. It's yeah, it's just a bummer. And okay, Kendrick Bourne is not is not this good. Kendrick Bourne is not like the best receiver you've ever seen. He's good. He's a good player. You know who thinks he's good? Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan loved Kendrick Bourne. And used to scheme stuff up for him. Um, and again, like somebody asked Belichick about it after the game and said, why hasn't he been like, he had such a great game. Seemed like he showed what he can do. Why hasn't he been a big part of, of um, the offense this season? And Bill's answer was literally verbatim. No particular reason. Not a good answer. What? And by the way, is he even playing today? Like, does he have this big game if Devontae Parker is active? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Genuinely, probably not. But also, like, what do you mean no particular reason? <laughs> oh, whatever. We're just doing, it's just vibes, man. Like, he sounds like right. me. Right. That's not, that's not a legitimate answer. And the funny that's thing is- That's a podcaster that answer. That is a podcast host-ass answer from Bill Belichick. <laughs> Be better. No, because if man. I said that on a podcast, if I said that on a podcast, I'd be like, God, they, they're going to know I didn't do any prep work. I feel bad. I didn't do my job. Maybe you should be the Patriots offensive coordinator. Then. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, Bengals cooled off uh, after halftime. The Patriots did make some some decent adjustments, but you know, um, they've won what I think seven in a row at this point. So still uh, on a hot streak for them. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. We have now done two winners and two losers. Uh, Left it up to dealer's choice for the last ones, if they were going to be winners or losers. Uh, Steven, are you in the Christmas spirit? Are you wanting to put some coal in somebody's stocking. Who's up next? A little bit of both. I'm, I'm in the Christmas spirit. I'm about to put some coal in Solak's uh, stocking by reminding you that we bet on this game on the Friday show. He said the Lions and the pa- Panthers weren't close. The gap between them was huge and that it was going to be a blowout. And my Carolina Panthers, I'm claiming them once again because they're going to make the playoffs. Keep wow. Ran the Lions off the field, 37 to 23. They set a franchise record for by running for over 300 yards. They had 200 yards running at halftime. At halftime, they ran all over the Lions. And then on the other side of the ball, like Jared Goff, I think people are going to look at the box score and they're going to make a huge mistake and think Jared Goff like kept the Lions in this game. But the Panthers were basically a huge like, mistake, a catastrophic a huge mistake. mistake. Don't even think about it. He goes 25 for 42, 355 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. First of all, he should have thrown like four interceptions. He fumbled the ball in the red zone. The Panthers were not respecting him at all. They were like, you're not running the ball. You're not going to run the ball on us. And we've seen like DeAndre Swift, four carries, 12 yards. They wouldn't let him run. So those deep throws were wide open. They were just letting Jared Goff throw him. He connected on a couple of them. And that's why they were able to move the ball. That's why he was able to put points up late in the game. But this was domination. And I think at this point, I don't know the math behind it. I'm pretty sure the Lions basically had to win out to make the playoffs. They got some help in the wild card race today. But I I think we were overrating the Lions a little bit just because it looked a little different. This still is an offense that needs to play a certain style of football in order to win. And we know that teams are better at shutting down run games in the playoffs. And when Jared Goff is your plan B, these games tend to happen. You tend to get blown out by Sam Darnold, who, by the way, look, was the best quarterback on the field. They had no answer for Sam Darnold. I'm going to choose to not address your comments about the Lions, potentially because of prior takes of my own. Uh, Steven, how would you respond to allegations that 
at certain points during the season, you may have stopped pounding. Mm, nah, I'm going to deny him. I, I, I did. <laughs> I did. But who cares? I'm, why are you bringing up old stuff? I've been pounding this whole time. All right. All right. At I have a job. Exposed. I have a job. Okay. I'm busy on Sundays. I can't pound every Sunday. Sometimes I can't watch the Panthers game. I have to cover that the rest of the league. I'm telling Sir Purr. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the Panthers had 130 rushing yards over expectation in the first half alone, which was the most by any team in a first half over the last five seasons. Um, so in particular, I do think the Lions run defense. Uh, they've obviously gotten better defensively over the course of the season, but really, really exposed there. Um, and then, yeah, Sam Darnold. Carolina found something in that defense because they were like doing the same run plays over and over again. It wasn't like this wasn't like the Dolphins bringing the Wildcat on the Patriots one week. Like these were basic run plays. And every time you looked up, a Panthers running back was just running in open grass to to the touchdown. It was amazing to watch. And they couldn't stop bubble screens like Sam Darnold threw like five bubble <laughs> screens and they all went for first downs. It was amazing to watch. I've never seen a football game like this. I, I was thoroughly impressed by the Lions incompetence on defense i would love to know if that was if that was like a point in game planning you, they're just they're devastated by bubble screens <laughs> this is a big part of the game plan did they let aubrey pleasant no back I, on i'm the not even kidding staff? it probably was <laughs> vulnerable against bubble screens <laughs> hysterical all right uh well i stayed in the christmas spirit as well and i'm gonna give out my last winner to the minnesota vikings who beat the Giants 27 uh, to 24, their 11th one-score game win of the year. It came on Greg Joseph's 61-yard field goal um, with time expiring. That was his career long by five yards. Not much in terms of playoff implications for this one. The Giants are still heavily favored to make the postseason and can clinch next week at home against the Colts. But to me, the biggest win that came out of this one is that it showed how good the TJ Hawkinson trade has been for Minnesota. He was really, really, really good in this game, um, had a career high 13 catches for 109 yards, two touchdowns. And at the beginning of the fourth quarter, he made a really incredible touchdown catch. Uh, and then on the following Giants drive, Patrick Peterson undercut Isaiah Hodgins on an over out to pick off Daniel Jones. Um, the Giants did respond. Saquon had a long run for a touchdown on, on a fourth down um, try, but that was Minnesota's sort of last big punch. Um, Hawkinson, I think just, he's really fit in with this offense. He's really fit in. He's got a good thing with cousins and um, Justin Jefferson is pretty much always going to get his, uh, he now holds the Vikings single season receiving yards record, which is, pretty incredible um because the vikings uh have had a fairly storied list of of receivers in their past jefferson broke randy moss's record from 2003 of 1632 yards um but it's really important for them to have just counters um particularly you know this game is is not so much of a concern because of the state of the giant secondary but having hawkinson Performing at a high level and working within this offense, I think is going to be important in the playoffs because you are going to see some better defenses and look, Jefferson um, can win against just about anyone, but if he gets a lot of attention and it's from a unit that can, can do some damage there, it's going to be important for them and for cousins to have um, additional options there. 
Uh, Giants side, they were okay. Bad turnover luck. They had two um, picks, one that was negated by a penalty and then another that was sort of a borderline call but got overturned. Um, but Daniel Jones was pretty good. Uh, I thought he was, I thought he, he hung tough despite taking a lot of hits. I think he took 11 hits in this. Um, but the Lions, the Seahawks and Washington all losing kind of means that their, their situation doesn't change at all. Um, it was a pretty good game. You can see this game again in the playoffs, uh, and they're in a win and end situation next week. I hadn't been watching this game or I, I had it on, but I didn't have the audio on. And right when I turned to it, I heard the, the Kirk Cousins voice crack on the spike right before the 61 yard <laughs> field goal. And I knew then I tweeted it out before he's nailing this. He's nailing this field goal. If that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what does. It's the new my how the Vikings have fallen from the, the big horn to Kirk Cousins's voice crack. Why does his voice crack so much? Is he going through puberty? I'm not going to answer that, Stephen. No. I don't know the answer. I just want to know. You don't know vocal cords. So, I don't. I don't. So much about Kirk Cousins just confuses me. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's okay. very fair. I'll just leave it at that. I just think about, I covered him in Washington for like two months. And it, this was like a story that people know. But all he wanted, not all he wanted, I guess he wanted a long-term contract. Um, but his big thing was that he wanted a quarterback nook in the facility and he always called it a nook and I was like this is weird it's not a reading room man but he got it he got his little nook with like a whiteboard and a notebook and he was so happy about it that's so fun uh the, did he have the is rock it, thing is it so fun no it is fun like a quarterback nook why not you just talk talk some ball with uh who was his backup was rg3 there no 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 it was after uh, that uh, um who was his backup then i do not remember Colt McCoy? It might not have been decided because um, this was all during the offseason. Uh, I was like, oh, it, like they, they they were in the season. They were like, we haven't decided on a backup yet. <laughs> Kirk's got us. All right. Anything else on Vikings Giants? Should we call it a should we call it a pod? Should we go have some eggnog? Sing some carols? I was planning on going out and sing, going door to door singing carols. So, yeah, I got to get on that. <laughs> That's delightful. Uh, this has been a Christmas Eve edition of the Ringer NFL Recap Show. I'm Nora Princiati. He is Steven Ruiz. Different schedule over the holiday weekend uh, covering the games. But next up on this feed, we're going to have Sheil and Ben on Extra Point Taken. They're going to give you a recap of the rest of the week 16 slate, including the Sunday games. Thank you, as always, to Isaiah Blakely for production on this episode and to Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision. 